It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Hello and welcome to Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast that doesn't bring you one update. It brings you two updates every single day, every lunchtime. You get this, the full rundown of the Premier League latest news and views. And every tea time you get served up Football Social Daily shots, our mini pod to fill the gaps for any football stuff you might have missed during the day. Make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever it is you're listening and you'll never miss an episode. As I said, all guns blazing version today, although the term guns and gunners might be a little bit of a dirty word on today's podcast because we're joined by Flav Bateman from the Spurs show, The Fighting Cock. How you doing, Flav? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. As a a Spurs fan, I'm sure as an Arsenal fan, the Arsenal fans out there, this is the worst week of the season, like thinking about the North London derby and expecting it certainly when you're playing away you know I'm sure we'll go into but you know Spurs don't get results away at Arsenal so it's just this sense of foreboding and feeling of (laughs) you know complete um, being completely uncomfortable all the time until it's over with and it's not like I haven't lived through you know I must have seen about 15 20 I must have been to about 15 or 20 North London derbies and watched another 20 or so um, on the telly or whatever it might be for in my life and it never gets easier it's just horrible we are going to get into that shortly because as Flav says it is the North London derby this weekend so we're breaking protocol and doing a bit of an early preview on Arsenal versus Tottenham which kicks off Saturday lunchtime a little bit of a different North London derby this time round with both teams absolutely flying at the moment but we'll be trying to predict who gets bragging right shortly uh, also we've got Niall and Dr Tom from the FPL podcast who got the assist a bit later for you performing open heart surgery on your fantasy football teams as the Premier League is back underway this weekend and we'll be staying in London after the Derby chat to talk about my team West Ham and the headlines on the back pages of a few papers today suggesting that David Moyes could be on borrowed time in East London after what is a disastrous start to the season. I'm Jim Salverson, and alongside Flav, our third wheel on today's football tricycle, is Steve McNaughton. How are you doing, Steve? Yeah, I'm very well, thanks. Uh, glad to be on here and uh, discussing uh, the, the weekend's forthcoming activities. 
Yeah, well, let's get stuck into the London derby. Arsenal versus Tottenham, Saturday kickoff, 12.30. It's the early one. I want to get your view on this first, Steve, because where does this rank in terms of Premier League derbies? Because I think a lot of derbies have become a little bit meaningless nowadays. But I think Spurs versus Arsenal feels like one of those genuine derbies where there's a little bit of niggle between both the clubs and the fans. It feels like it really means something. Yeah, I think it's a big game. It's one that... You know, as a, as a Liverpool supporter and a, uh, a northerner, I think that uh, you know when it comes on Sky Sports, you're like, oh, that's a bit of a tasty one. And both clubs are in good form, aren't they, at the minute? So it makes it, uh, it adds, as Chris Eubank would say, a little bit of spice to it. Uh, <laughs> you know, but I think that um, I'm looking forward to it. I think for me, it's probably the second biggest derby in the, in the Premier League. Um, it'll be blood and thunder and there'll be tackles flying in and it'll be played at a frenetic pace and it'll probably end up nil-nil. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> no prizes for guessing what you think the, the biggest derby is. I mean, it's the first Premier League meeting between Arsenal and Tottenham with one of them leading the table since December of 2007, which is a demonstration that these are two teams in decent form at the moment. Are you a little bit frustrated, Flav, as a Spurs fan, that... At this period of time when Spurs seem to be finding their feet, that Arsenal have also found some kind of form. Yeah, it's really annoying. Um, but <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming for them. You know, I think people forget, or Spurs fans at least don't let Arsenal fans forget, that they haven't finished above us in six years, six seasons, after mm-hmm. 21 years of dominance, right? So they've gone through this process of being a, um, a mediocre football club. And now, and, and, and their fans have had to go through that journey and they've become a lot more humble than they used to be. And so they're really enjoying this spike in form. Um, but that's all it is currently, right? It's, they've had seven really good results. But if you look at the back end of last season where they just collapsed, this is still that, that, that club. Not a lot has changed other than a couple of players coming in. So I'm not. <laughs> while I am frustrated, I don't think Arsenal will be title challengers at the end of the season. And I still think Spurs are going to finish above them. And if I do. we if we if we do beat them at the Emirates, which is unlikely given on what we've done previously, then we will be above them in the league. And this is despite all the mm. crowing you hear from them. So um, yeah, it is frustrating. I don't want to want to see them top of the league, and I don't want their fans to be enjoying themselves and happy. But sometimes it, you know you, you don't get what you want in football. But um, we'll see how things look in May. It's still very early days in the season. I think Arsenal haven't really been tested yet. I think arguably Manchester United is the only real opposition they've come up against and they didn't do particularly well against them. So as you say, they could well fall away as the season goes on. What about the style of play they've got? Because Arsenal have developed this mini Manchester City mentality where they play this kind of free-flowing, ticky-tacker at times style football. Whereas under Conte, Spurs are maybe a little bit less positive in their style of play. Do you look at that with an eye of envy? No, actually. I mean, I can't... I mean, no, I, don't, I don't think I do. I, I, I'd never, ever watch Manchester City play. Before Haaland, I, thought, I think genuinely the most boring team to watch is Manchester City. It's just possession-based. It's, 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 they've got all of the talent pool available to them, so they're going to be just, just keep possession. But as a fan, as a neutral watching it, I never really entertained by it. Man City and I can't say I'm a you know my, my what I enjoy from football isn't the sort of tactical breakdown of, of it I'm much more of a part of the emotion and, and the culture around football is what I'm really interested in but 
I think Arsenal probably playing a little bit more, certainly more attacking and, and, and more fluid than Guardiola's system was before he had Haaland. Now they've got a much more direct route, so it's easier for them to play that way. But yeah, I've, you can't say that any team that goes out and and tries to attack it is in you know it's impressive. It's um it's something that most fans want to see, but you play to the strengths of your of your squad. And when you have what Tottenham have, our best opportunity is you've seen it many times. And since Conte's taken over, you know it's what's it third or second he's, in terms of points amassed. His system works. So you, while there is this free-flowing football to what Arsenal are, are doing, and, and, you know, fine, that's fine. It's You have Son, Kane, Kulisevsky and Richarlison on the counter. It's foolish to not use use that as, as a way to hurt. Certainly teams who are going to have a lot of possession. Our best performances are come, come against teams that really hold want to hold possession. Manchester City last season, we beat them twice, although one was from Nuno. Uh, and then against Liverpool, we should have beaten them in both games. And these are, we, we played that system, so it works. Um, it's really frustrating when Doesn't team... that become more of a challenge, though? The, the, the more successful you become as a team, the more difficult it is to kind of play that almost counter-attack style football because teams do sit back against you. So when you've got Richarlison and you've got Kane and you've got Kulicheski, who's been brilliant this season so far, mm. when you've got a team that are going to sit back against that threat, it almost becomes more of a challenge for you to play the way you want to play. Yeah, of course, definitely. And and, and what and what you rely on in that instance is um, you need to rely on the individual skill or the or the combination of um, of players to break that team down. Da- team down, and it's really hard when Burnley are in the. You know, I know that they're down now, but when Burnley played that way, for, everyone dreaded playing Burnley, even if they were bottom of the league, because they were really difficult to break down. Um, we've been. Our acquisitions, I would say, put us in a better position to be able to break down teams that are being stubborn uh, through the summer. So I think it, we haven't really been tested in that way because we do give up a lot of possession. We have done since Mourinho's times, really. And that shows you what how these top-class, world-class managers look at our squad and think this is the best way to play. What would be in- interesting, though, is um, what formation he goes with because if it's a 3-5-2 which he has played occasionally, which is my favourite formation, which I want to see him play, then it'll be about who can hold that midfield and, and we'll be we'll be thinking a lot more about possession in that in that respect. But it's working. I don't know. It's hard to criticise. Sometimes when Conte plays a 3-4-3 and we're, we're off the ball and we lose the midfield or give one up because they've got a man over, it's, um, it's frustrating. But you can't question him. You can't question his methods because he's he's been so successful. But I do look at when he was at Inter Milan and he played a three-five-two, and you know you'd have comments from other managers or, 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 or sorry journalists in, in Italy saying no one knows how to stop this team, this three-five-two formation with Lukaku and, and Martinez up front. We don't know how to stop this. Um, so I, I do really hope that he adopts that three-five-two at Tottenham permanently very soon. But like I say, I can't question him. What do you think Spurs need to do to win at the Emirates, Steve? Because as Flav says, they've not got the best record there. But these are two teams that are both going to be hoping, not just to beat each other, but they're both going to be hoping for silverware this season. So other than score more goals and concede less goals, what is the Tottenham objective <laughs> this weekend? I think the objective is to play their game, you know, utilise the Conte mentality. Conte will have them really tuned in for, for the game. 
Uh, I think it'll be they've got to be physical. I think they've got to get amongst Arsenal because I don't think that Arsenal team love when people are putting a foot in and, and trying to you know rough them up a little bit. Um, and I think Spurs have got the the weapons in the in the <laughs> I was going to say in their Arsenal uh, to pick you know to pick up a decent result at the weekend. I think that the signings that that Conte has made have been absolutely phenomenal. I think that they have the means to to go there and put a show on. Um, and I think you know I, I would I think some smart money would probably go on Tottenham uh, at the weekend. I think that Arsenal have a history of in these big games they tend to to drop points. Um, you know we look at the Man United game they looked in imperious form leading up to that United game and then they go and get turned over three one by let's face it a Man United team which is okay uh, it's not particularly great uh, and I just think that Tottenham will get amongst it. I think you know the the big hitters will will turn up. I think obviously they'll play Richarlison um, and he brings an element of that. Um, steel and that nastiness that Conte will want mm. at the weekend and I think it's there for them I think they've just got to go and impose themselves on it and I think they can get a result Do you think Son's probably feeling a bit hard done by Steve at the moment because he was like number two to Kane before Richarlison's arrival but Richarlison seems to be in good form at the moment despite Son's hat-trick was it last weekend he scored the hat-trick I think it was do you think he'd be feeling a little bit put out by Richarlison's Appearance in that team. I think that uh, I think that that's life at a top club, isn't it? I think that um, you know you you have to accept that there will be rotation, and when you've got a squad that is in a healthier position than it was last season, I mean, some of the signings have been incredible. You know, Kulusevski. Uh, you know, when you can bring quality like Perisic off the bench, um, you know, some will have to accept that he will he will be rotated and it will be the same for Richarlison he will have games where he he doesn't feature um i think obviously kane is the is the uh you know the the center point of that team and they just have to suck it it's like all the big teams rotate you know they're not putting the same 11 out all the time and i think that's just what we've got here and it's a nice problem for tottenham and conte to have because i don't feel they've had that before um, I think the quality uh, has not been there for him to dip into the squad and, and rotate a bit, but it is now. And, you know, Rich Allison has gone uh, looking better. I mean, I can't stand him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know, obviously, from his time at Everton. Uh, you know, but he is um, he's a player that will get into the, you know, the Arsenal uh, squad's head at the weekend, and he'll probably get on the end of something. And I, you know, But that's football, unfortunately, for young men's son. Let's... Have a prediction from you, Flav. You didn't sound too optimistic at the top of the show, but I think one of the challenges that Arsenal face going into this game is the fixtures they've got ahead of them in October. They're facing some of the bigger teams and also for every team in the Premier League, October is chocker. There is a lot of football over the next 30 days or so and Arsenal have got a pretty small squad, so they might not end up playing their 100% best team at the weekend. Does that give Spurs a chance? Well, are we, of course we've got a chance because the the, the team that when that that when you know 30 years of and only winning twice away at Arsenal isn't Conte's Tottenham and it isn't the team that's been invested in so significantly. So while I made that quip at the the start of the show that you know we're all worried it's not Everybody is. It doesn't it, like there'll be Arsenal fans going into this. I'm sure some of them were just thinking, I, just, I would rather not watch this game. But it's not. It's not because I don't think we we can get a result at, over there. I'm pretty confident of a draw. 
it's just it, the Arsenal could be bottom of the league and we could be top and won 15 on the bounce. I would still feel exactly the same about it. It means so much more. You mentioned about the big, the biggest start, the biggest derby in the league. I, I think hands down it is. But obviously, I'm a massive, you know, massively invested. It's it, it doesn't matter where each team is. Anything can happen in these games, and it has happened many, many times. But uh, yeah, we, I'm 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 going to say I'd always back Spurs, and I'm going to say two one Tottenham. That is the nature of a derby. You never quite know what's going to happen. Well, a full reaction to Spurs versus Arsenal and or Arsenal versus Spurs, I should say, and all the other Premier League games on Sunday's Football Social Daily. But we're returning our attention to Fantasy Premier League next. Dr. Tom from the podcast Who Got the Assist is talking to Niall next. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Jim and the boys will be back with you in a bit, but you're stuck with me for the time being. And thankfully, I'm in the company of someone who can help you whip your fantasy Premier League team into shape ahead of what's looking like a mouthwatering weekend of top flight action. Tom from Who Got the Assist, the FPL show, which is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, is with me now. How's it going, Tom? Did you enjoy the international break? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, it was good, actually. I think this is obviously after you know, the sad events of the Queen dying. It, it kind of meant that the the one sort of mini week we had back um, has been all the, the Premier League we've had for a little while. But, you know, it's the calm before the storm now, before ring, things really started to kick in with these final sort of, you know, Eight, nine weeks before the World Cup. I think it's eight weeks of the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. Well, sad news when it comes to the Queen. And obviously, unprecedented circumstances called for unprecedented measures from the Premier League. There were games cancelled and postponed for a mark of respect to the Queen, but also due to policing problems, which means that those double game weeks that we were looking forward to have been pushed back even further. When do you envisage those taking place? When do you think that we might see those double game weeks? We're not entirely sure yet. I think that, you know, we're looking at January. It's the second, it's kind of the new year, that's for sure. I think that's, that's when the first kind of free available midweek is. And we simply don't know. And, you know, we're hoping that, that there is a hope that there's a massive double game week to come in terms of all 11 teams playing twice in one, one kind of FPL game week. So that would be max fun. And that would be the time to deploy that bench boost chip if you're holding on to that. Um, but yes, we don't know yet. Um, but certainly... Um, due to make for a very interesting kind of second half of the season when they're scheduled, that's for sure. Obviously, this season is a little bit different anyway with the World Cup coming up in Qatar. 
in only a couple of months' time. But with that in mind, the last international break has now concluded. So this is the final international break just finished before the World Cup in the Middle East in November. So how wary do managers need to be of those little elusive injuries? I've seen a couple of reports today that maybe would have slipped under the radar about players who won't be fit for their clubs for this weekend. So how much of a concern could that be? Um, it's the same as always, really, after after an international break. The game week is always a bit more, um, a bit less exciting sometimes. There's fewer goals scored often just because players do tend to be a bit tired, especially in the big teams. However, there have been a few sort of instances like Mo Salah, um, who missed the second Egypt game. Um, you know, there will be a few players who are refreshed and ready to go. And also you've got players, you know, like the Arsenal duo of Gabriel Marcelli and Gabriel Jesus, who didn't go to um, the well, Brazil, were playing in Europe, but didn't, didn't, didn't get called up by the Brazil team. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this goes, especially with momentum being so sort of choppy. And over the likes of Leeds, Chelsea, Liverpool, they've only actually played six games thus far. Um, and it'll be interesting to see, especially with Chelsea and Brighton, uh, what Potter and Deserby have done with their time, un- unexpected time on the training field. Um, so a, a lot of kind of interesting and intriguing dynamics going into this game week. Yeah, and one of the most intriguing aspects of the game week for me is the North London derby. And it's not the only derby this weekend. Of course, there's the Manchester derby between City and United at the Etihad and a tasty East Midlands derby with plenty on the line between Leicester and Nottingham Forest at King Power Stadium on Monday. But let's hone in on that North London derby for the time being. What's the plan here if you've got players from both sides in a high-profile derby like this? I know a lot of people have got William Saliba, for example, the Arsenal defender in their team. And I know a lot of people that have also got one of the Tottenham forward line, like Son, Kane, Richarlison, someone like that. So what's the plan there? Do you take defenders out when you come to a game like this? It seems like it's going to be a tricky week for high ownership defenders. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you're playing, if you've got attackers in these sorts of games, definitely play them because there's going to be goals in them. Um, we've seen that through multiple North London derbies. If it's a defender like Saliba, I, I would be tempted perhaps to put him first bench because I, I'd expect Spurs to score. Nonetheless, you know, if you've got no other option than to play them, I wouldn't be too upset just because, as you said, they are high ownership and that can also mean that that insulates you against something going wrong. So if you've got a Saliba, if he does score again, or if they do keep a clean sheet, then you you get that clean sheet. Um, so I, I'm fine playing the attackers, but the defenders I'd be, be a bit more cautious of, um, especially if they're a centre-back. So, you know, the other derbies, the Man United, the Man United derby, the Manchester derby, um, if you've got Cancelo in that game, for example, definitely play him because he's also got um, the... Uh, potential for attacking returns. I'd say it's probably the same for Perisic too at Spurs. Uh, Less so Arsenal, unless Sinchenko's fit, but I don't think many people own him nowadays. Yeah, and from a Manchester United perspective, it looks like Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford are both going to be absent for that derby match at the Etihad Stadium. So probably more of a cause to keep your Man City defenders in the side with Marcus Rashford having already scored against Liverpool and Arsenal this season. Two big high-profile matches for Manchester United and a lack of Anthony Martial, so maybe you should just be swinging towards Manchester City in that respect. But how do you see the weekend going in general on the whole, Tom? It feels like this is one that we do need to treat with a little bit of trepidation as FPL managers. It feels like it might be a low-scoring week. What do you reckon? Yeah, I'd imagine so. I think we'll probably see kind of an element of kind of stepping back into it just because we've had that very choppy recent schedule in terms of 
games going ahead, games not going ahead, the unexpected break. I think we can treat this as kind of almost the start of another season, almost that first kind of six, seven games, the one thing. But we've had a break and teams have had time to react to what's happened in the first six weeks. And in some cases, you know, they've gotten rid of their manager or they're, um, you know, looking to, they've appointed a new one. So things will change um, over the over this next week. Um, I think that the, there were, I'm not sure whether there'll be less goals, but I think it'll be less predictable. Uh, one game in particular that you've got to be looking at for goals is that Leicester Forest game. Neither team can defend. Both teams are seem to be fairly good going forward. So that Monday night fixture in particular, I think, could easily be kind of like 4-4 or something ridiculous like that. Mm, yeah, you look at that Monday night game and it kind of aligns with some of the statistics we've seen, at least that have been released by FPL. James Madison, just under 210,000 managers have transferred him in for game week nine so far. He's one of the most transferred in players of the game week. Do you think that's because that people are expecting Leicester to have a bit of a reaction? As we say, it's an East Midlands derby game. Both sides are desperate and in need of those three points in the Premier League, both scrapping it down there at the bottom end of the table. So it feels like this is kind of an essential game for not just Nottingham Forest, but for Leicester City as well. So can you see why people have plumped for Madison here? Yeah, certainly. I mean, the player himself um, has been kind of the lone shaft of light for Leicester for a while, single-handedly dragging them up, and despite the rest of the team performing pretty poorly. And given the fact that Leicester's next five fixtures are so good, Forest at home, Bournemouth away, Palace at home, Leeds at home, and Wolves away, all of those scream the potential for recovery under Rodgers. Like, I think loads of people, I don't think it's unfair to say, we're expecting Rodgers to go um, over this international break, but that has not happened for a load of reasons. And these look like the games in which we will see that resurgence if it is to happen. And Madison, as the talisman of that team, is the one to be buying, that's for sure. I've got him in my team, for example. I've had him since last week. Um, but you know, six, I think he's still under 10% own, yeah, 6.6% ownership. So still a differential and still one that I think will be many engaged managers' sides come uh, the game week on, on Saturday. Keeping on the Leicester tact, I had Jamie Vardy in for the first couple of game weeks of the season. And it became pretty clear that it just wasn't going to be working out for him. Do you think now's a good time to be looking at someone like Jamie Vardy with those fixtures that Leicester have got that you've mentioned? Or maybe someone like Patson Dacca or Ian Acho who could possibly feed off of James Madison's creativity and maybe bag you some points? Maybe. I'd stick with Madison for the time being and see what develops. The thing is with Vardy, Dacca, who's now got a flag actually because he was ill last game week and Nick and Acho. Any of those three players can be deployed in loads of different ways, whether Rogers go, goes with one up top, whether he goes in the diamond and plays two up top. It's probably a bit risky to be buying a player um, whose expected minutes aren't anywhere near as high as alternatives. So for Dakar, I mean, obviously it's pretty cheap, but you've got the likes of you know Dom Solanke at Bournemouth, those people are talking about him at the moment because Bournemouth have got a few good fixtures. You've got Ivan Tony, you've got Alexander Mitrovic, and um, both of them 90-minute men, talisman for their teams. There's lots of better options. Madison's the one to go for for Leicester, um, and I think that I'd probably leave it there for the time being until kind of you know we see more from them. Uh, if Dakar does thread together a run of starts, then absolutely fair enough. You know, a five point seven, you can't really go wrong there. But I'd still just be a little bit wary of him and a bit uncomfortable about the fact that he could very easily be replaced game to game. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about Dominic Solanke actually, so I'm glad you brought him up. Why do I keep seeing his face pop up on your Twitter feed? Is there a potential of a possible hidden gem there? Um, Potentially. I mean, he's got three home games in the next four, Brentford, Leicester and Southampton. Now, the reason he is 
coming up a lot is just because he's so cheap. And that means that you can have your third striker slot being him compared to, I don't know, a Mitrovic, right? So that means you, you save yourself 1.5 million, something like that, which means you can reinvest that money elsewhere. From that, people are kind of looking at the fixtures and going, oh, well, he could you know, do a job for 5.7 million. I wouldn't get too excited, to be honest. I'm, I'm in Bournemouth for right down the bottom in terms of um, expected goals for this year. Obviously, they have had tough, tough fixtures. And Slanky, he has not played every game. I think he's played four and a half games. But he's something like a hundredth for expected goals in the Premier League at the moment. That's kind of equal to the likes of Adam Webster at uh, Brighton, Jeffrey Schlupp at Crystal Palace and Christian Norgard at Brentford. So it's certainly not um, a, a performance thus far, which has been, you know, meriting of um, a lot of interest. It's just because he enables lots of other stuff and because he's so cheap. He is a talisman. I can see why you buy him. It's just like if you've got Alexander Isaac, for example, for me, I'd be looking at a better player. So maybe I'd be looking at Tony, which is what I have done. But I can see why people are buying Slanky just to free up money. You talk about Alexander Isaac. It looks like he's going to be injured as well this weekend for Newcastle United. So we'll keep a close eye on that one for you here on Football Social Daily. And we'll bring you any updates when it comes to player fitness that we know of between now and the weekend. And speaking of Bournemouth, they're still managerless, of course, and a takeover could be in the offing as well so still a lot of chopping and changing possibly to be done in the Premier League one final question I wanted to ask you Tom and I feel like I ask you about this player every single time that I speak to you and that is Trent Alexander-Arnold someone who we know hasn't been at his optimum level this season along with Andy Robertson on the other side for Liverpool but those two in general have performed so well and so consistently and bagged a number of points over the last three or four years in FPL I know this is a completely different thing but he wasn't picked by England there are questions over whether he might go to the World Cup or not so confidence is probably a little bit low for Alexander-Arnold right now looking at the premium defender slots Alexander-Arnold where does he fit into this is there value in keeping him and waiting it out if you've already got him and hoping that he finds some form or do you think that we should all be going for Cancelo anyway by now I think if you if you if you own him now, I'd keep him for that Brighton game. That's for sure. Um, uh, if you don't own him, I wouldn't be looking to buy him until game week twelve. To be honest, so Brighton, Arsenal, and Man City are the next three for Liverpool. Um, I I can't say of any confidence that I'm looking to buy him in anytime soon. I mean, yes, obviously what he does represent and the source of points he represents going forward and going back are great. But having those clean sheets is is the bread and butter for any defender. And with Liverpool, that doesn't seem to have been the case thus far. Will they recover? I mean, they might do. I just just want to see a little bit more. So I think it's it's three weeks for him, and then I'll see. At the moment, I'm pretty happy with the likes of Cancelo, Trippier, and Rhys James being my sort of more expensive premium defenders. With Trent, kind of one that I'll always keep an eye on because of what a great FPL asset he can be. Liverpool just needs to tighten up at the back. All right, nice one, Tom. Appreciate your time as ever. Don't forget who got the assist. You can find wherever you get your podcasts. It's part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. And by listening to the podcast, you can find a more in-depth analysis of the upcoming game week. All of the information that you need to know will be there. So go and check it out wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Nice one, Tom, and we'll speak to you next week. Cheers, Tom. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. 
Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. Thank you to Niall and Dr. Tom for their fantasy Premier League insight. I hope you were all taking notes. But we're going to return to London now. Not Arsenal versus Spurs, but we're going to talk about West Ham because reports this morning in the papers that David Moyes is under increasing pressure at West Ham after a really poor start to the season and a summer of big spending. West Ham are one of the top spenders in the summer transfer window. Pressure is mounting here, Steve. There are people calling for a change of management at West Ham. But at the same time, for David Moyes, he's got a little bit of credit in the bank because of what he's achieved for that two seasons of European football that he's brought to the club. How much credit does he have and how much extra time does he get to turn it round given that? I think he's got a bit of you know time in the bank. I think that, you know, let's... Be honest, he got to the you know Europa League semi-finals last season. You know, the, the, I can't remember where he finished in the league, but um, I think what he's done at West Ham and the, what he's carved out, you know, affords him more time. Um, yes, he spent big in summer. I think you know the likes of uh, Lucas Paqueta is, a, is an outstanding signing. Whether he stays at West Ham, I don't know. Um, but I just think that we're still very early into the season, and. You know, one or two results changes everything, and I just think that they've got to stick with him because you know who are you gonna who are you gonna get that's gonna come in and have the impact that you want really. Um, you know, unless you go a bit left field with something, but you know they're probably the same old names will be will be you know linked with the job. But for me, I just think you know just give the guy a bit more time. Um, you know, he signed a a, a fairly recent contract hasn't he um you know the club have backed him in the transfer market i don't think it any makes any sense to, to make a change at this point but you know i think we live in a situation where if you have a bad result at the weekend the the media make it catastrophic don't they and they start with all the stories um but i just think one or two wins changes everything and for me he's the man to do that without a doubt. Steve says give him time Flav but how much time do you give him because we've got this unusual season with the World Cup coming up so we've got a month of football and then this elongated break which is a good opportunity for clubs to maybe take that step back and look at what's going on and maybe potentially a good time to bring in a new manager who knows it's never happened before but the one thing is certain is as a club you don't want to go into that break in a bad position and under pressure because that's just going to kind of fester during the World Cup if that's the situation. Yeah, maybe. I mean, or it give it gives him a, t- a moment to reassess and, and time to actually figure out the problem without a game every other day, every other every other f- a few days. Do you know what I mean? So, may, there, I mean, it's difficult to know. Like you say, it's unprecedented what we're about to experience this this season. Um, I, I, I mean, we everybody says this, and you. He deserves more time. It, 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 most managers get sacked before they that they should be sacked. And we saw 
or at least in the opinion of fans and, and, and pundits and what, 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 my, what, what have you, if you look at what he did at Everton when they were so sort of patient with him, he'd have, he would have seasons and most clubs will have seasons where they, they're not performing or patches where things aren't going well. I appreciate that this goes back into last season. It's not just a case of, you know, the first seven, six or seven games this year. But I think he, he like, you said, like I said, he's credit in the bank. He, he deserves more time. Semi-final of a Europa League. That's something like Spurs have never achieved, right? Even under, mm. um, well, admittedly, we did all right in the Champions League. But it's, it's significant. It's not easy to get there. And he did that. And also, there, were, there, was, there was talk at times last season that West Ham were good enough to be in the Champions League place. It's the same manager. Better squad now. Just give him time, I would say. The only, only thing I would, if, if there is a great opportunity to get a better manager than you know going to significantly improve and uh, and change the, the culture of a club and that opportunity is there then you then you say okay well we'll take a gamble on the manager with more with more um gravitas than perhaps David Moyes has but if that if that option isn't there then then I'll stick with him I would I think I've been very patient as a West Ham fan with David Moyes and I still think it's he's the right man for the time being but I do look at as you mentioned the form last season and it does worry me significantly because it's not just this season and the one win if you look back in the last 10 games going to last season as well sorry the last 14 games there are only two wins in those games and only 10 goals scored in those games and four of those goals are against Norwich that rings alarm bells for me particularly with the amount of goals that are being scored and then you look at the bench and you look at the money that was spent in the summer and you've got Maxwell Cornet who did really well for Burnley I think he got seven goals for them last season in a struggling team you've got Skamaka who was being courted by PSG and who was one of the darlings of Syria at last season sitting on the bench he looks built for the Premier League did really well against England during the international break as well and they're there sitting on the bench they're not playing have you been surprised that given these goal scoring issues that West Ham have these two players particularly Steve haven't made more of an appearance yeah I think it's you know if I, if I look back at the way my club do it um, you know we sign players and, and they don't they don't start a load of games straight away. They are integrated slowly. Um, you know, they've got to get up to the level in training. They've got to be able to work, play in the system that, that is operated. And I just think where Corne and Skamaka are concerned, maybe there's there's still a bit of adjustment going on to the, the type of football that David Moyes wants them to play at West Ham. Um, I think it's it's quite an easy thing to say, well, you know, what what's he doing not playing Corne and Skamaka? Um, I think their time will come. It's a long old season, Jim. Um, there's, there's plenty of games coming up. They will get opportunity, but I think they are being integrated um, into the team probably a bit slower than West Ham fans want, but probably the most pragmatic way of doing it, I think. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens with it because I think if they lose a couple more games, he's going to have to probably sack that off and just get them in there. You mentioned, Flav, that if the opportunity was there for a better manager with a different mentality, potentially that accelerates Moyes' exit from the club. I've heard West Ham fans mentioning two names particularly that are on the market at the moment, Thomas Tuchel and Pochettino. That's hugely wishful thinking, isn't it? I mean, West Ham fans need to remember that we are West Ham and that's not the type of manager that is traditionally attracted to the club. Yeah, but what's the guy's name? Yeah, the big name manager just in between Pellegrini. Is it Pellegrini? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that no, went very badly wrong. <laughs> of course it went wrong, but in hindsight, it was good. I mean, you'd think actually this guy's, you know, has the, you know, he is a step forward in the, in, in the right direction. Although, like you say, it didn't work. 
Um, first and foremost, as a Spurs fan, I would hate to see Pochettino at West Ham. But taking that into account, he would he would be the perfect manager because the reason why he struggled at PSG uh, is because he what he did at Southampton, at Espanyol, and at, at Tottenham is take a team that is ready. That is the, the, or a club that is ready to to go above and beyond where they are, and him turning what are good players into excellent players. You look at the transfer values of every every uh, of so many of the players that played at Espanyol, but especially at Southampton and Spurs, he turned a hundred million pound of two hundred million pound squad into one that was worth you know four hundred million. I know we benefited from people like mm. Son and Kane, but he was a massive part of their development. He would be perfect to West Ham. He, he would genuinely be the best candidate out there Tuchel is um, I mean I don't, I don't even think he'd probably I think he considers himself a level above almost every every team in, in Europe apart from the, the very biggest I think he'd be waiting for people like Real Madrid or Barcelona or someone like that I hope the Davids are listening Golden Sullivan there's your tip get Pochettino in should it not work out for David Moyes like I say he deserves a little bit of time that is it for today's Football Social Daily Flav thanks for joining us Good luck for the weekend. And if you want to hear more from Flav and his opinions and views on Tottenham Hotspurs, then you can check out the Fighting Cock podcast on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just search the Fighting Cock wherever it is you find your podcasts. And thank you very much to Steve, who doesn't have a podcast to promote, but a pleasure to have you on the podcast anyway. (laughs) Thanks, mate. Enjoyed it. Uh, Good luck this weekend, Flav. Thank you, Steve. Have a great weekend. Make sure you click subscribe to this podcast and you'll never miss an episode and we'll see you next time for the next Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode.